Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a warning that vaccine timelines are far from certain. In a country as geographically large as ours, we can expect some logistical challenges ahead. To help anticipate and address any potential challenges, the Public Health Agency is working with the Canadian Armed Forces, whose personnel have been integral to our COVID-19 response since the outset onset of this pandemic. Could posturing over COVID-19 signal a possible spring election? It has been so deeply frustrating as a member of the opposition to try and get any answers out of this government, but we're going to attempt to do that. And looking for clarity and consistency from all levels of government when it comes to Christmas gatherings. It's not black and white, it's gray, but you always have the choice not to have any gatherings. It's Friday, November 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Althea, good morning. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk about Canadians and their patience level when it comes to vaccines, because I think there's been a lot of excitement about the fact that there are vaccines that are being developed and the early testing shows that they're effective. But now we're hearing all of this news, and it's been an interesting week from that perspective, that Canada may not get those vaccines as early as other countries. And now the federal government is warning that it's difficult to pin down exact timelines. The logistics may be challenging. So what should we expect in terms of vaccines in Canada? Well, we know. <laughs> what should we expect? We know the government um, has been busy for many months now trying to um, get access to these vaccines and that they've been working on a, a rollout plan. And so yesterday, what was apparently going to be the first of many is we had um, three uh, government scientists and uh, somebody, an associate uh, minister who of procurement who explained to the public, to reporters, um, exactly what is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And there are a lot of unknowns, but I think we can at least give the government credit for being somewhat transparent. So the things that we know, what we were told on Thursday, were at the very earliest, um, Health Canada would approve the vaccines in mid-December. That is the earliest. And then Several weeks later, in January, possibly, so these are all like possible scenarios, the first uh, batch of vaccines would arrive in Canada. And then with the provinces, the federal government has determined and provinces have determined who would be the first to get vaccinated. And so there they're talking about people who are uh very vulnerable, who have underlying health conditions, um, so the elderly, people uh, in who work in the healthcare sector, people in long-term care homes, police, firefighters, uh, Indigenous communities. Um, so these are the first batch of people who will get vaccinated. The government has said that they expect 6 million doses, but you, for the vaccine, but you need two doses. So 3 million people could be vaccinated in the first waves in January of 2021. And by the end of 2021, Dr. New, uh, Howard New, the um, second in command at Public Health, um, told Canadians yesterday that anybody who wants to be vaccinated will have the opportunity to be vaccinated. Now, um, 
it's not clear exactly on what day and how many doses uh, of the vaccines are going to arrive. Uh, that is information that the Premier, we heard Premier Legault talk about this yesterday. We heard uh, Premier Ford talk about this yesterday. That is information that they want. That is not information that the government knows. And frankly, it might be, um, well, I think we would doubt the information if the government said precisely on like the third week of January, we are going to start vaccinating people um, because we don't know when Health Canada is going to prove it and we don't know when it's going to come here. Meanwhile, this week we've seen the political rhetoric around this issue increase, of course, and uh, there's there's been criticism at uh, in terms of the performance of some provincial governments in the handling of that of the of the coronavirus pandemic, and then this whole issue of when we'll get the vaccines and lots of questions and pressure from the opposition on this. Is all of this an indication, do you think, at the federal level that we might be more likely to see a spring election? You wrote about this. So Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Yeah. So um, I have a podcast every two weeks. So last week we um, had a podcast about Aaron O'Toole's first 100 days, which actually end up being on December 1st, so next Tuesday. And um, Jenny Byrne, who is Harper's former director of um, campaign manager for 2011 and 2015, and is deputy chief of staff, um, was on the podcast. And she said, you know, we're talking about finger pointing. And she said that she expects um, the politics of this issue to to ramp up because uh, the conservatives expect a a spring election. We know um, that the liberals also (laughs) expect a spring election. And that she felt, and she argued this, that... um, now that Canadians know what to expect uh, about the virus, they have a lot more information. Um, they are far more critical, and they expect so much more of their political leaders. And they're less likely to just go along with lockdown and very restrictive measures because of that. And she she argues that this um, this plays well for Aaron O'Toole, or it can play well for Aaron O'Toole. And I think that that's what we we started seeing. Um, last week, the Conservatives were really focused on blaming the government for not deploying rapid tests early enough. Um, Michelle Rempel Gardner in the House of Commons was uh, saying that, you know, if only the government had uh, home tests for people so that, you know, you could test yourself before you leave the house to know whether or not you're contagious. And then people who are uh, vulnerable would stay home and the economy would continue to test survive and businesses would be able to remain open if infected people stayed at home. Um, And she even wrote an editorial in the National Post over the weekend saying, you know, the time has come basically to start blaming the Liberals for bungling this issue. And then Tuesday, the Prime Minister himself acknowledged in some some ways giving the Conservatives a gift, uh, saying, you know, you may be watching the U.S. news where, you know, their authorities are starting to vaccinate people in December, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen here. We don't have uh, the manufacturing capacity to to do these to to manufacture these vaccines, and it's natural that countries that do have um, that do have the ability to do so be vaccinating their own citizens before they start fulfilling orders. This is a giant gift for the conservatives, and they've been uh, on this question, and in some ways, you know, like rightfully so, are there questions that we should be asking that we put our orders too late? How far down the line are we? Uh, does this mean that we're going to be in restrictive measures for many, many months, maybe half another half year? Um, and so uh, the tone has certainly changed, and the Liberals themselves have responded to these attacks 
by wrapping themselves in the flag of the being pro-science and uh, defending their actions, saying that they're listening to the scientists. And as you mentioned, it came on a week where we heard that uh, Premier Four apparently has not perhaps been listening to Dr. Williams as much as he should, or that Premier Jason Kenney has not been listening to Dr. Hanshaw as much as he should. Um, and so there are, you know, both parties here, the, both major parties are starting to play wedge politics. It's, um, it's uh, interesting to see. And, uh, you know, if they both wish an election, maybe one will come. Mm, yeah, interesting. All right, we will watch for that. Um, let's talk about something that will come before the spring, and that is the holidays. Um, yeah. There, there is a, uh, there is a mixed. I, I think a lot of people feel there's a bit of mixed messaging going on from various governments and even within certain jurisdictions about whether people are supposed to gather, get together at Christmas and at other holiday gatherings in December. And the Quebec Premier François Legault has, I think, in the minds of some people, complicated things with some of his messaging recently. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. What have you observed? Yeah, well, last week, Premier Legault actually was one of the first to come out and say, hey, I have the Christmas plan. I know what what everyone's going to be doing. I'm asking you to do, to do a moral contract with me, as he called it. I would like you to, you know, I'm going to basically give you permission for four days to gather with your family. Um but I want you to stay home a week before that, and I want you to stay home a week after that so that you don't infect people if you go back to work, for example. Um, that same day, later that day, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, came out and said he wanted everybody to stay home. <laughs> Nobody should go anywhere. And then, he, of course, he was asked, well, what do you think about Premier Legault's plan? And uh, the Prime Minister carefully walked on eggshells and didn't criticize the Quebec Premier. Um, and then uh, the, earlier this week, we had Premier Legault come back and say, well, actually, you know, I said four days, but I only meant not that you can have a party every day during those four days. Now you can only, the new directives, you can only have basically two gatherings because you could have, you know, your family and then like your partner's family. So you should see both families, <laughs> the Premier said. So th- uh, that that is now two two over four days, and also he's saying, you know, I can't give you permission not to go to work. So if you need to go to work, if your employee tells you to go to work, you have to go to work, even though I'm asking you to to isolate at home within those days, and you'll have to make tough decisions about whether or not you, you know, put yourself in riskier situations about, and whether that's worth the risk of meeting your family. So I think what we're seeing, this is, you know, the Quebec Premier is struggling with communication and telling Quebecers what they're allowed to do. But it's also a whole patchwork of different uh, regulations, different the directives, I should be saying, rather. You know, in Ontario, Premier Ford is saying people, you know, don't do anything beyond your household. Celebrate Christmas with your household. If you're alone, maybe, you know, another household. That's it. In British Columbia, the Premier over there has been saying, you know, please don't travel outside of the pro- province. And people who plan to come here, please don't come. And you need to stick to your own household. So you're, you have different rules across the country. It gets confusing, gets especially confusing when you try to add them together. As I know some people, you know, we were just straddling the border between Quebec and Ontario uh, are trying to do well. You know, we can yeah. have one party in Ontario and two parties in Quebec. You know? <laughs> um, and it's confusing. As the numbers, yeah, as the numbers increase, I think, you know, there may be even more um, a review and editing, shall we say, right. of the directives that have already gone out. It's certainly not easy to understand. 
All right. We'll see if the message changes in the days ahead. Althea's, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much, Mark. You too. Stay safe. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. Continuing to consult with the experts in terms of uh, doing it, I would say, in the typical Canadian way. You know, it's all about uh, vulnerable populations, but also trying to be equitable and covering a large country. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues governments can't afford to come up short on COVID-19 vaccines. The Star writes, No doubt there will be hiccups along the way, but any government that comes up short in acquiring, distributing, and administering vaccines will be mercilessly judged by its citizens and will deserve to be. That applies to both the federal and provincial governments. Ottawa can set a tone and roll out whatever money is needed, but it's up to each province to enact the health policies that make a difference on the ground. In the Globe and Mail, Mike Medeiros, Daniel Bélan, and André Lecour argue overriding the provinces on COVID would cause long-term harm to Canada. They write, Calls to have the federal government impose uniform national measures at this point which implicitly depict the federal government as being above the provinces, pervert Canadians' perceptions of their country, and they ultimately weaken our federal culture. Canada is not a country in which the central government is hierarchically above the provinces. Rather, Canada is a country in which the federal government and provinces govern in partnership. At National Newswatch, Glenn Pearson considers government response to the pandemic. Pearson writes... In a heightened political season, Canada's political parties have remained relatively restrained when it comes to crass politics. Yet the politically ambitious are chafing, weary of towing the line of collaboration for the sake of public health and safety. So far, we have found not only consolation, but a deeper sense of human value in these past months. We now require a politics capable of building on that shared purpose instead of sacrificing it for the sake of power. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will speak to reporters this afternoon after the annual Federal, Provincial and Territorial Agriculture Ministries Conference. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark Marie-Claude Bibeau will be joined by Federal, Provincial and Territorial Agricultural Ministers at 4.30 Eastern Time via video conference to talk about the wrap-up of their discussions at this annual meeting. As always, there are lots of topics to discuss when it comes to the multi-billion dollar agricultural sector. First and foremost on the agenda is farm credit and financial aid to parts of the sector that were and continue to be particularly hurt by the COVID pandemic. Another issue which has come up in the past few weeks is the decision by some of the country's biggest supermarket chains to impose new fees on their suppliers, food producers, right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Ms. Bebo has said that she was angered and disappointed by the company's treatment of food producers, so we'll see if there's any action coming out of this conference. And lastly, there will be more discussion about the agricultural sector and concessions that the federal government has and continues to make in new trade deals including a permanent new Canada-United Kingdom trade deal, which still has to be negotiated. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the media to provide an update on the COVID-19 situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, November 27th. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend. <laughs>